Noakes and Newman on the Hammer Factor. Take it away, ladies. Welcome to the Hammer Factor Ladies Takeover. On Skype today, we have a distinguished panel of women paddlers. Uh, I'm Kara Weld. I'm a co-owner of Immersion Research and 15-year U.S. Slalom team member. Uh, with us today, we have Rebecca Giddens. And Rebecca is, um, well, if you don't know, she's at a silver medal in the Olympics in slalom in uh, 2004 in Athens. She's also the 2002 world champion in slalom. Um, she owns Kern River Brewery in Kernville, California. Uh, she, um, with, along with her husband, Eric, and has two young daughters, um, She's easily the most decorated U.S. woman kayaking athlete, slalom athlete. Yeah. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. It's good to be here. Also with us today from southern France, of all places, is Maria Noakes. She was a New Zealand freestyle team member for years and years. Um, she owns Need More Adventures, a venture travel company. That's what's bringing her to France right now. Um, also, smoking out in jet boats. Um, she's extremely active with the Nantahala Racing Club. At, um, it, we're in her home in North Carolina. She has two boys that um, uh, paddle, one kayaks and one sups. Um, welcome, Maria. <laughs> Hi. Hi. It's great to be here. And joining us later on, um, we have Noria Newman, who is um, needs no introduction. Um, for those of you who don't know or have been living under a rock, um, she just took a huge boob stroke off your head. Um, she's a French paddler at the top of her game right now. She also paddles slalom. She actually won a silver in the Worlds in 2013. Um, and again, if you don't know Noria, she was the first woman and only woman to paddle the entire Stikine Canyon, including Site Z. Um, only other woman paddler being Nikki Kelly, I believe, from New Zealand. Um, and then most recently, she's been a fierce competitor in the North, um, North Fork Championships. Um, and I believe the only woman, certainly the only woman to make it to the finals. Um, but we'll find out more about that later. Okay. So, uh, let's get right to it. Um, today we're going to, uh, <laughs> I promise no calling each other dude. <laughs> no. Bra, bra, bra. Bra, bra. Oh, I, I wear a bra sometimes. However, <laughs> right now I just woke up. <laughs> Are we allowed to call each other babe? Oh, yes. <laughs> Why not? Um, I don't know where, where you guys are, but it smells better here than, than I'm sure where our normal hammer factor is being, right. being recorded. The, the lavender and vanilla smells that are coming out. Yeah, on yeah, <laughs> weld. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about some topics in the news. we got some viewer mail. We're going to talk about some gear fit. Um, of course, we have our special guest. 
And of course, rants and raves, everyone's favorite at the end. Um, but to warm things up, let's just talk about the unavoidable subject, which has become the litmus test of, of uh, your standing in the whitewater community, and that is SUP. <laughs> okay, Rebecca, um, is it a ridiculous fad or a, or a legit addition to paddle sports? Oh, Kara, I don't think you want to hear it. I think it's legit. It's on its way. Um, I look at it as a sport that everybody can understand. You know, people on the sidelines, like they see people out there on a paddle board and they can relate to it. It's a sport, you know, you can jump out on the lake and do, go out in the ocean. You can imagine yourself doing it. I, I don't think kayaking is going anywhere. I mean, I think that's going to keep continuing to be awesome too. But I think it's going to bring in a whole new group of people that don't necessarily want to feel confined, that don't want to paddle class, you know, four, class five. I think it's awesome for class two, three. You know, I'm out there in my kayak in class two, three, and I love it. But for a new challenge, something different, I have a garage full of substance. Perfect. Just think about it. All those people who really need to get away from politics right now, they can immediately get on a sup. They don't have to be able to kayak before. They can just get on that sup. They can be two. They can be ten. they like, apart from the super uncoordinated, which I'm wondering if John World has those gangly legs <laughs> that just can't stand up on a paddleboard. But apart from that, I think it's a... It's a great, and it gives you a really good, cool workout. And you can just go. You don't have to have any experience. You can get on a sup. And then you got to let, I got to let you know, if you can make it through the Nanahala Falls on a sup pedal board, the first time that you try standing up and that it does not challenge you, I promise I will buy you a beer. <laughs> so, Marie, you said one of your sons is now supping primarily. Yeah, yeah, he is. He really, really enjoys it. He enjoy. He's like a sups on. He's done quite a few races and sups. He's thirteen, and he's just picked up the sport. He loves surfing and he loves being on the river in it. And he's got a couple of different boards, a couple of different NRS boards, and uh, there's a great little community there as well. You know, our kayaking community is really cool, and the sup community is really cool. So for me, it's just about him getting out and being in the outdoors. Uh, if he's on a kayak or a sup, it's it's all good. He supped the main little uh, the uh, white salmon, the main salmon. Sorry, not the white salmon. That would be oh, a little bit cool. stressful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like uh, the main salmon in Idaho, he's supped that, and it's I mean it's a fun and forgiving sport. It's great. So down at NOC, the the, the kayakers and sup paddlers are living in harmony. Yeah, there are still less sup paddlers, I must admit, but they are living in harmony and nobody's causing any fights or trying to push anybody out. There's a, you know, we have a really strong contingent of lake and race, I guess sprint. I don't really know what the genre is, but we have quite a few people who sprint race down there and love it. So I guess my question I have to ask is, okay, so you take away the coast and you look at the middle of America and, um, you know, you guys probably have seen this. You can go into a Costco now and buy a sup board with a paddle and a dry bag for 200 bucks. Um, what I, I look at that, like, um, in, in terms of an industry, in terms of like, if you look at whitewater kayaking compared to that, um, 
how is that sustainable for, for businesses that are selling, that are trying, you know, selling primarily whitewater gear? Like I look at that more like what happened with sit on tops where people were buying sit on tops and they were making sort of like whitewater, more expensive sit on tops. They, they went into like Dick sporting goods and then that whole market sort of fell apart. I mean, I think it's an introduction, you know, like I I don't think it's anything to be upset or threatened by. Like, I don't think they're going to have the best of the best. So I think it opens up the doors. It introduces people. You know, I I work in the beer industry. It's a similar thing. I'm not going to be upset when, you know, one of those giant breweries tries to make a microbrew because or a craft beer because it brings in a whole group of people. And then when they get better at it, have a better understanding, they're going to, they're going to buy the good stuff. You know, I mean, if you guys started selling your product to Costco, sure. Then we might, you know, then, then you're making your millions. You're stoked. Everything's great. But, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's great that it's in those boards. There's no other way for someone to first get introduced. So I, I think that it helps, helps it overall. I really, I really believe that. But you're really you're in that industry. I'm just kind of thinking that across the board, whether it's beer products or you know food products or you know that that's a, that's a huge crew to have their eyes open to. You know, you all shopped in Costco. You can't lie, right? It's great. <laughs> Picked up something for the first time there. Take it to another level. I'm fine if you buy it from Costco. I'm like. It's okay. I think that Americans actually need, or yes, everybody needs more of a core workout anyway. So, I mean, why can't buying one at Costco, that's helping everybody out. That's getting more people on the water. And that's essentially what we want. And as Rebecca said, you know, people are going to go, oh, that one broke. Sorry about that one. I'm going to have to get a better quality one. There you go. So, I, I think that's it. I think we put a rest this conversation. I think it's a, it's a good gateway in introducing more people to the river, to the water, to the lake, whatever. And uh, let's put this thing to rest. <laughs> Kara, my goal is to get you to do a competition with me and then you can judge it afterwards. <laughs> hey, listen, I will have to say for the record, just because my views of my husband are not necessarily mine, right? Okay, <laughs> just you speak for yourself. There you go. Point, point taken. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's what's next? Shall so that means we yes, correct? What? That'll yeah, come out yeah. and do that? Yeah, any chance yeah. to come out and play All with right. you. And let's do it. <laughs> yeah, make sure you get that commitment. <laughs> on, on well, I've got, got all sorts of commitments coming my way now after this right <laughs> oh I owe her oh I didn't Man. request anything <laughs> I'm in I like that this is easy twist my arm all right okay so let's see all right so we um let's move on to we don't, in lieu of the the, uh, <laughs> the um, Outdoor Alliance telethon that goes on every week with Lewis and conservation, <laughs> which I think is awesome, um, we have, uh, sorry here, trying to find my, here we go. Um, we have a policy issue to discuss. It's not necessarily, it's not conservation related, but um, Rebecca, we talked about this a little bit. Um, Ashley Nee, who's a fellow slalom racer and was our um, woman representing the U.S. in the Olympics last summer. So last summer. Yeah, in Rio. Yep. And yeah, in Rio, <clears throat> I posted recently. Uh, posted on Facebook 
um, a very, uh, a, um, she, a very upset picture of herself after being on a conference call. And she had just found out that the women will not have funding that some of the, the details of it are, are, um, vague because she had to sign a non-disclosure. Um, but if you can find Ashley me on Facebook, you can find this post. Um, um, Rebecca, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, that post and any insight you might have? Yeah, I mean, I had trouble getting onto a bunch of it, but I, I got the gist of it. Uh, it looked like Ashley posted, um, yeah, that she, she wanted to match funds that the, that some of the guys were getting. So the USOC, the U.S. Olympic Committee, um, and, and, and my feeling is, from my experience of this, is it, it's, it's result-based. So we've had some gentlemen um, kayakers that are doing well. You know, they're they're hitting the top ten. They're making finals. Uh, Michael Smolin being one of them. Ricky Powell's been doing really well internationally. And um, you know, in C1 Casey. you have Casey Eichfield, yep, and Eric oh. Eric Bug Lockin, Zach Lockin. Uh, they, they've had top ten results, and and they're getting some funding. Uh, it's not it's not a ton, but it's you know, for kayakers, we all know, like anything you can get is super helpful. Um, so they're getting up to, you know, $1,500 uh, a month. And Ashley looks like she has a goal of trying to do the same. Going onto the GoFundMe page is what, how she's raising her dollars. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's mm -hmm. what's raised kind of a lot of like, what? I mean, that's so millennial, like sit back and watch the, the money roll in while you do nothing. And I think, you know, those people in the past who have worked hard, you know, trying to get their sponsors, maybe um, it just seems like the easy way, the, uh, but why not? I mean, come on, if you had access to that back in the day, do you remember the days when you guys were competing and racing, trying to do anything and everything? You know, Eric Jackson was out on the streets panhandling. Right, <laughs> um, right. So, so do you think, uh, so what you're saying is that funding is always been performance-based. And I, I guess there was a claim that it's this is gender discrimination. Well, um, I mean, you could, you could say that, but you look at, at the results with the, you know, the females and, and there hasn't been even, you know, qualified in for the um, semifinals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what. I don't. I, I. I've been out of it for a while, so you have yeah. to forgive me. But like top twenty uh, moves on to the semifinals, and then you know top ten after that goes into the finals. USOC has always been one hundred percent result oriented. Right. And as an athlete, I mean, how do you bring the ones that are trying to learn up? That's the problem. Right. It's always been a problem with the USOC. It's always been the best of the best get rewarded, and the better you do. You know, I, at one point in my racing career, I was getting more than the guys were getting. And, um, and my results also helped pay coaches. And, you know, the guys' results helped pay coaches. And it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. But I don't, I don't think with the USOC um, in the U.S., I, I just don't think it's a girl versus guy thing. Yeah, yeah. I think the USOC would have a really hard time getting away with that for sure. I mean, they've made a huge mandate to equal the classes and which um, has been slow going, but you know, it meant one to one men to women in the games. And um, yeah, I mean, I know that from my experience um, also that the funding has always been for medals and whether or not that works in the U S and that's the best thing. I think that's, 
that's a big question. Does it work? But you make a really good point where you say that you're funding paid coaches. And so that helps everyone overall. Um, it does trickle down, I guess. Um, but it, regardless of that, what does this mean for women in the sport of slalom? What message is this um, putting out From there? From Ashley's point? type of post? I mean, I one thing I, I so admire about her, and I, I don't know her very well, but for the women of the sport, she's incredible for the women of the sport. And I think her, you know, t maybe making it, putting that little twist on it um, does bring awareness. And it is getting us to have a conversation right now about women and then kayaking. And it's a great way to do it. I mean, it, it, it sparks something. And I think that, uh, I, I think that, you know, she said, you know, I, I'm not going to just, I'm going to do things and I'm going to coach on the side and I'm going to teach clinics and I'm going to introduce women to the sports and uh, she brought awareness to it. Mm -hmm. But she brought awareness to the equity. We're trying to get women more equal in the sport. So she's adding, she is by her having this public um, or having her Facebook post really has made other people think about it. So hopefully now, you know, they're a little bit behind on getting, cause you know, women are now going to be able to be in C1 in in Tokyo is it in yep. 2020 is mm -hmm. that right yeah so so hopefully now that she started this maybe they will understand that we need to be these girls need to be training like right now I know this is deviating from the topic a little bit but there's no point trying to um train she's right because we need to be training these people like now so that they can go to the Olympics in 2020 so if we can't make a jump start for this equality now, then we need to get there. I mean, even if it's not by results, somehow we need to bring up the standard so that the women get the results. It's not that we don't have the women who are, have the ability to do it. It's funding, training. Um, yeah, it's the fact that, you know, people don't start, maybe they don't start early enough or I don't know. What do you think about that, Rebecca? <laughs> Kira's oh. raising her hands like she's supposed to be. I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we have rules. No, um, <laughs> well, this to me leads. I think you're leading to the bigger, you know, the bigger conversation about um, uh, what's happening in the U.S. in terms of, um, you know, as a nation, are we developing a lower caliber of paddlers because we don't have that slalom infrastructure and base? than our European counterparts? Um, are we, you know, are we, because, you know, Maria, you're very active with the uh, Nantahala Racing Club, but there aren't very many clubs around anymore feeding these kids into the system. You know, like Rebecca's story is a long story with one, one person, Ray McLean, who really, I mean, a lot of people along the way, of course, helped you get where you are, but, you know, really brought you guys up. Mine, I started with my dad in a canoe, and then a guy came to town who taught slalom, like, how do we... Um, you know, those clubs were a big feeder um, in the D.C. area that got kids into paddling. And I feel like now I'm seeing uh, us, parents, our kids are getting into paddling. But how do we reach a wider net and then how do we um, foster that? <laughs> yeah, no, so I think that's totally right. You know, I'm in France at the moment and we there's these in, insane amount of clubs around kayaking clubs and they can be flat water kayaking clubs they can be slalom clubs and the city the way it works is the city pays for the kids 
and the adults to get outdoors, basically. They have a, and it's not like a super fancy facility. Do they all have amazing slalom kayaks? No, they don't. But the facilities are there. And, you know, like the Nanahala Race Club has a great slalom program, but you have to be close to us. I mean, you have to be willing to travel and you have to be close to us. And we're really trying to get it going. But realistically, it's about, it's a lot of it is about the dedication that's around us and the parents who are able to do it. I mean, the kids are really lucky because there is a slalom club right there and there is a like an active freestyle club right there. So we're lucky to be doing that. But really, as a whole, we need to be looking at how do we start clubs? How, how does this become more accessible so the athletes who will be really good at slalom are educated about it and know that that's something they can do? I mean, it's not that they get kids in kayaks younger in Europe. Their kids are just have way much more accessible to slalom. I'm not necessarily meaning slalom. It can be wild water slalom, freestyle, anything. All right, mm-hmm. Rebecca, you're on. Yeah, I mean, kids love to be with other kids. And you need a place that you can go to. And I 100% agree. Like, you know, at North Carolina, and, and, and Nanny Hill Outdoor Center, uh, Pathetica Center of Excellence, you know, Durango has a, a whitewater club. And those are places that do have a, a big group of athletes. Uh, in Europe, like you mentioned, I, I can't even believe when I would drive over a bridge and look down everywhere. You'd see slalom gates everywhere. everywhere. It didn't have to be on a artificial courses, somewhere on flat water, somewhere on moving water, somewhere on these little canals. And it's so accessible. And people can jump on a bus, jump on a train, you know, show up at their training place after school. You know, we have organized sports, we have basketball, you know, volleyball. um, And that's what everyone's doing. Kids want to be going and doing what their friends are doing too. So I 100% agree. Our club system, at one point in time, our club system in the US was doing all right. And then it kind of dwindled and you still have your key places. But if you don't live in those key places, you don't have coaches. You know, you have no one to go out with. And I think that that, that's definitely hurting our sport. But how do we go about starting more clubs? I mean, who's going to do it? When's it going to happen? Everyone's so busy in their, their, their lifestyle. Everyone's so busy taking their kids to the other organized sports in the U.S., I'd love to see a change. <laughs> I think we all would love to see a change. Okay. So we're bringing Noria Newman into the conversation now. We just, uh, I introduced her earlier, but um, a little reintroduction. Um, we talked about, Noria, your silver medal in the world championships in slalom. So you're in good company here with Rebecca. And um, we uh, know about your your um, first descent of the Stikin, um as running all the rapids, which is amazing. Um, and tell us a little bit, because it's, we just happened a week or so ago, um, tell us about the, your participation in the North Fork Championships Games. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I was too disorganized to actually enter properly and get in the voting. I did it last minute and then it didn't quite work. So I had to qualify on the six minute race. And uh, I knew it was gonna be really hard to make a top 10 on the six minute race. So I was training and then I asked uh, Argentinian peddler, Matias Lopez to help me out. 
so we trained together and then on the race he was basically in front of me and I was just trying to keep up with him uh, and I was like pretty much on his tail about three quarters down the course and then I just exploded and struggled for the for the last 25% of the race and didn't make the cut for 0.03 seconds oh. so I was 11th first not qualified and I was pretty disappointed because my percentage was like I was 13 seconds from the fastest guy which was pretty much like 3.6% off in the percentage and that, that, that was really good I was pretty happy with that but I was really sad because I wouldn't go race on Jake's and then Ryan Casey uh, pulled out and said he, he didn't want to race and he pretty much uh, gave me a spot as an alternate so I could race Jake's and I was really happy it was really scary because the water was super high and I it didn't have really good runs, but I got all the gates on my second run. I had the spin, so that was super slow. Uh, but at, at this on this rapid, I was, you're just mainly happy that you just catch them all and and are safe at the and you're safe at the bottom. So Nuria, I have a question. This is this is your third year in a row racing the Northport Championships, correct? Yeah. And last year, you raced and you were top 20, what, 17 or something? So my question to you is, how come you're still up there, but you're not... How do you get requalified the next year automatically? Like, what do you have to be to just automatically move in? And then uh, You my have other to question, be top 10. So top 10. And then my other question is, they invite people sometimes, right? You don't have to qualify. Like they have a panel and they reinvite some people to race just because they're so badass, correct? The so you you make top ten, you automatically qualified, and then the top ten from the year before is voting for ten more people to get in the year after, and you uh -huh. apply on the internet. But and uh, so you I did a you applied that for that. I didn't position? apply properly. Uh, you didn't apply properly. I, I was like not understanding. I, I was not understanding how you couldn't be reinvited. I mean, I would just think like as long as you're holding your ground there. So I was curious if they weren't inviting you just because they didn't want to get beat by a girl was my question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's basically uh, just me being a, a shit show. <laughs> get your act together, Nuria. I know I'm gonna apply for next year I'm applying for next year I think I'm just gonna do a written application and get uh, the North Fork organizer to take that in <laughs> because I can't do the internet thing <laughs> well you're, you're with us we can't do the internet thing either I can't Maria is great at the internet thing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nuria what was it like dropping into Jake's um it was actually pretty pretty cool because I was um so I paddled the rapid the days before uh, a lot of the boys didn't because they were scared or they didn't really want to go uh, but I I was there and I I didn't know if I was gonna qualify anyway and Dane and Alec and even more and Matias Lopez were just like doing training laps so I was like I'm just 
go and, and train with them and if I race then it's good. If I don't race it's okay. I just get to paddle with, with, with some of the best paddler I know and and get better. So I actually did like about over I think I did twelve laps before the race. So when I dropped in I was I was no more <coughs> nervous than than on my laps. Um and then I guess the, the first day, like the first day was the most stressful because the rapid was big and you don't really know what to expect. But then I spent three days like kind of running it a couple of times every day. And so by the time of the race, it was OK, dropping in Jake's. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, so, Noria. Um, I got a question for you. I'm going to kind of throw you under the, bu the bus a little bit, but it ties in really well to the conversation we were having right before you came on. Um, I was reading on the North Fork Championships website, um, your bio, and you commented that you would never do an eddy turn like an American. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Rebecca, I'm sorry I didn't mean yeah, we love to yeah, no, We'd love for you to <laughs> Is it that bad? We would love no, we just want you to tell us how well, not being an American of course, yeah, I have a bit of a buy here. But we want you to tell us how how uh, you perceive that Americans do an eddy uh, turn. <laughs> I was I was being provocative, but um <laughs> I do believe that a lot of American paddlers Excluding present company. Don't necessarily have a super good whitewater kayakers that are not doing slalom. There we or, go. Or, okay. All right. You're okay. You're okay with this group now. <laughs> you're, yeah, I'm excluding you, Rebecca. <laughs> um, don't really and you have, have to exclude me because I've been taught by Kara. Fundamental Kira. technique. They don't okay. really, yeah, I'm excluding Kara too. So I'm safe now. <laughs> I, mean, and Maria, later. I have to speak. Maria has beautiful Eddie turns too. You I, I was taught by Kara. <laughs> Are you American? Me? Well, no, I'm from New Zealand. Yeah, so she's excluded automatically. Oh, so like, yeah, she's been living here with her whole family and raising yeah. her family here. I think you're honorary American. Yeah. Well, but if you learn how to kayak in New Zealand, you probably have like. A Kiwi style, so it means you're probably a savage <laughs> operator. No, she was a hack when I met her. You can bushwalk. <laughs> I can bushwalk. Yeah. I, I, I understand you might be an American wannabe, like you have a cute little crop top American flag that you wear around. <laughs> Is this true? Oh, this one. Yeah. I might have lost it at a party. <laughs> I'll get you a new one. Don't worry. Okay, good. Sorry. Oh man. Well, yeah. You guys can meet up tonight, and I'm sure Rebecca wow. has a lot of costumes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I've got awesome. two girls. So, so got a lot of costumes. Maria, you're being provocative, but uh, you know, you're paddling. So this leads to, I think, some, some the conversation we were having before about slalom in the U.S. and how our sort of our, our our bottom uh, has fallen out. We, we don't have um, the infrastructure and coaches and training and group and boats on every creek that you cross, every bridge that you cross like you do in France. Um, you know, and I think that um, 
in France, I mean, are slalom numbers still, um, they're strong and your depth of field is strong. I mean, is the bottom, are kids still getting into slalom and what are you guys doing differently that we can, we can learn here? Um, I think it's, it's, it's totally different social structure. So you could start with me basically being sarcastic about any turns, but the truth is it starts way like in the way you learn how to kayak, let's say you're in the States, someone's gonna teach you how to roll on your first day. Uh, in France, they're gonna teach you how to do a forward stroke and then okay. they're gonna throw you in the river and then you're gonna swim for two years before someone's like, oh, you wanna learn how to roll? <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of sucks to be honest, but at the same time, you you work on other things which are like strokes, draws, uh, edging, like really small fundamental technique that some American whitewater paddlers won't necessarily work on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with the 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 I mean the the people that kayak in the states, if you if you take it if you take a social look of it like of course there is like individuals and everyone has their own trajectory but um you don't have a strong club system so if you want a white water kayak and you're american you're usually middle upper class uh white and and a male uh whereas in europe if you want a kayak you're probably middle class too but uh, the cost of, of picking up kayaking for a French kid is about $150, $100 a year. You get in the club, you just need a pair of old running shoes and a swimsuit. And then the club will provide um, neoprene gear, life jacket, helmet, boats, a coach. And basically every time you have time off school and there is there is an organized session for your group level in the club, you just go and it costs nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. We take the vans, and they take you to the river, and that comes to something even older. Is like French as a socialist tradition. So the sport clubs or or cultural club like theater, music, whatever is founded by city council, is found, which which can only be affordable because we pay a lot of taxes, and it's redistributed to the people, which is a totally different system as what you guys have in the U.S. So it's not like I'm I'm joking around with Eddie turns, but it's actually way more complex than than what it seems. And then you have kind of like two different paths for for paddlers that are not necessarily made by paddlers themselves, but more like by societies and how it works. It would be probably different in some other countries. Right. Yeah, I, I I think you're right on. I mean, we uh, our social system is so different here. We can't really look at the French system and say that's exactly how we have to do it. But I think there's something to be learned from um, because we're all moms with kids now, and they're into kayaking and just learning kayak, and and some of them starting to run big white water. But there's something to be learned from um, not just that like follow me here's how you do a four stroke here. Let's, you know, your buddy who's a raft guy teaches you how to roll and you end up swimming for the next two years. I mean, I've seen, we've all seen that over and over and over. Um, yeah. What can we do as Americans to, to uh, sort of step up our game and teaching people how to kayak. Right. I mean, 
how many times have you guys seen just like the follow me? Let's just go run class three the first day in your boat and they never kayak again. But that, that is our system. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> we don't, like you said before, we talked about before the whole club thing, like we don't have the gates and, and you start out learning in slalom gates. You don't have to be a slalom paddler, but right. you start out, you can do a class three move on class two. You can do a class four move on class three. I mean, they're learning exactly how to put a stroke in, where to put a stroke in, and it's on easy water, so you're probably not gonna flip and swim. So, right, you get your basics down first, and then what our goal is, what we see as kayakers is, come on, first thing, like, I gotta get you out in this class three. Like, you don't wanna have a skill set, and it's traumatizing for people to be stuck in the kayak upside down with a spray skirt on. So, I, having that background and it is it is i mean correct me if i'm wrong Nuria, but i feel like it is a slalom background that you start with but that takes you to all these different levels i think if you were to talk to a lot of the extreme racers from different countries not the u.s but from different countries they'd probably say yeah i learned at a club with some slalom gates and i learned how to hit my moves and then i took it to that next you know that next level and once i'm paddling class three i have to learn how to roll class four you know and and it's just how do we have make it happen here? I don't know. It's such a long um, line and deep, deep, deep setup of of years that it's taken to build these amazing clubs there. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's also cultural. I don't know if any anyone here will be ready to put like this club works like of course with the money that comes from the tax, but they also work on like on like random people that will spend their Saturday and Sundays and every of their free time when they're not at work just driving kids in a bus instead of just taking their own kids and do cool things with them. And it's okay because we have a lot of people doing it so there is a big rollover. If you had to start this uh, pretty much by yourself in your area, it means you're pretty much starting it and, and you lose like all your weekends and holiday for about two or three years before anyone just steps in and starts like helping you out too. Right. And Kara, as you'd mentioned earlier, that was my start. I had that one person that yep. did take, you know, me around everywhere, which leads me, Nuria, what, what got you started? I'm sorry, this is off track a little bit, but what, what did get you started in kayaking? Um, I got, I got really lucky because uh, my dad's friend had kayaks on the roof. And it looks like my toys, plastic toys. I was really young. I was four. And I asked my parents, I want to do this. I didn't even know it was called a kayak. And uh, they said, no, you can't do this. You don't know how to swim. So the club system being what it is in France, I just entered the swimming lessons that whole summer. Uh, just because they said no and came back with a swimming certificate. And I was like, no, I want to do the plastic thing. And uh, so they went to do My dad started that that same summer I think with friends with the old people from the club um, and then I started like pretty much next and I was five years old and usually they don't take kids that young but because I could swim and the son of the coach was one year older six they actually took like four or five kids that age so he would have friends in the club to paddle with him usually you'd, you would start more like seven or eight Yeah. So that's how I started. I was just assuming it was the whole club system, but I just wanted to confirm that. Yeah. Right. Right. 
All right. So, Noria, since you're here, um, one of the things we wanted we talked that we wanted to talk about is um, gear for smaller paddlers and your opinion on where our sport is with that. Like, what what boats um, are out there for, say, you know, the 130 pound person, and and are we missing? Are there things we're missing that you'd like to see? Ooh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think on this I have a very different opinion than than a lot of other girls because I think a lot of like oh girls should paddle this boat because they're smaller they're not as strong it's just it's just preconceived idea like because you're smaller doesn't mean you have to paddle the smallest boat from that brand because you're just gonna go on big white water and then you're just gonna struggle when honestly a creek boat is or play boat is not hard to turn it's not like a slalom boat where you need it cut to your weight because you actually need to put the stern under the water to to go fast and you still need some volume so a lot of it is like oh yeah girls should get the extra small the medium thing and then you see girls going on some rivers and they struggle because their boats are too small for them so every single hole they boof they kind of get stuck because they don't have enough volume or then you mm. have the, the life jacket, special life jacket for girls. Congratulations, you have more room for boobs, but your pin kit doesn't fit the pocket, so you're useless. And then you're basically a burden for the rest of your crew. And a lot of things like this are actually not efficient. You know, you want a paddling short, great. You have the tiny, cute short, but you have no pocket, so you can't fit anything. So if you're hiking in, you're just going to have to fit you it in your boat good. and... And every time you're just just not convenient. <laughs> so I agree I with you, Nuria. I totally agree with you. I really feel that like uh, so I've been boating for a while. And I really feel like we have a tar- we actually have quite a few more boats available to us now. Uh, in the past, you know, there hasn't been a lot of boats. Uh, I'm five foot five. Probably not going to tell you my weight right now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely boats out there. For that girls can cruise around in and there's definitely freestyle boats that's the same you know in the past I've creaked in a 3D I mean I've always and it may not have been totally the safest but right now we have a lot more boats out there and if you talk to guys and girls sometimes part of the problem is they are right in the middle of the weight range you know sometimes the too big for, I mean, the problem I find is I'm too big for a medium, like a medium playboat. It is just too, uh, too small, sorry. It's just too wide for me. I mean, and I think that happens to a lot of guys and girls. I don't think that's necessarily a, a girl-specific thing that happens. And I love, personally love paddling a longer boat, like a, a longer, faster boat on creeks. I feel like it, it's, a, it's a, good, a good thing to do. I'm in that 140 range, and that is the range. Like, I feel like there are smaller boats for the 130 range. Like, I'm 140, and if I try to get in one of those boats, I'll sink it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to I tend to just paddle the bigger boat, and I like it. I feel more comfortable out on the water in a big boat. Like, I feel like there's, there's yeah, more keeping me afloat, and I can run, run more things. Um, <laughs> I, I'm laughing a little bit here because you're talking about picking the right boat and, you know, for the right river, and I recently went out and paddled you know, my remix on something bigger and I hadn't been paddling a while and I just got hammered the whole way down the river. Uh, Nuri, I don't know if you remember that that was a year ago, I guess now, but, um, when we went out and I I chose to paddle my remix on hospital rock, which, you know, back in 
year before was no problem, but uh, the boat didn't have enough volume in my opinion. And so I made the wise choice, like, I'm going to walk around 060. I'm just getting hammered the whole time. Meanwhile, Nuria's greasing every line. Nicole is greasing every line. And I'm walking around this big rapid, like, proud of myself for making a good decision. And, yeah, I just slipped on a rock and dislocated my shoulder and wasn't even in the river. (laughs) Random side note story, but having Nuria on, talking about boat choice, being out there in the right vessel, one that fits you correctly, like, just reminded me. Rebecca, to go up, you have the Remix 59. What's your your next big boat up to Creek in then? What's your boat of choice? Um, I I don't, right now I've just been using Eric's boats for bigger boats. So I've been in the Nomad. Um, I like, with the solemn background, I like something that has a little little more, you know, to it. So um, I've jumped in some of the Jackson boats recently and and had fun in those. Um, Is it Zen? I'm so terrible with with the names of those. Yeah, I think the Zen would have edges like a slalom boat a little bit. <laughs> so I, I'm so terrible, you guys. It's so embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I guess I really did enjoy that boat. I went out in that. Um, uh, what was the other one? The Piranha 9? The 9R. That was pretty awesome with the solemn background. Um, so I, I haven't been Noria, what did you pack in the North Fork? Uh, I have the new Nirvana. Which is pretty funny because talking about boat size, I paddled the exact same boat as Alec Voorhees. Right. Wow. I don't know Good if size. you know Alec, but he's, he's, big. he's a tall guy and he's really yeah. strong. So we have a, a big weight difference. That's and right. it was funny because his little brother and me are actually paddling the same boat as he does. And, and it's great for him and it works for us too, which was quite surprising. Oh. So I paid for a 9R and uh, people are always saying, like, isn't that too big? Isn't that too big? And the 9R is great. It's an amazing size. It's like it like will speed through anything. It's really super cool. Okay, so I wasn't going to bring this up, but I, I want to get you guys' opinion. So I had um, the little Jefe Chica or Chico a couple years ago, the, sort of the women's version had flowers on it of um, – <laughs> the liquid lodge right and I hated it I felt like it was uh the boat wasn't designed from scratch it was just sort of sorry sorry Shane love you but I I never liked that design for me and um I felt it didn't feel too small volume wise really but um and I don't run the big volume class five that Noria does but they're like for out here on the steeper creeks volume wise I think it was probably fine but I didn't like the way the boat performed so I ended up going up to the Hefe which is a smaller sized creek boat. It's not, you know, it's kind of for smaller paddlers. Um, but I got pinned on the upper Blackwater, one of our runs here, and um, right above a sieve. So it was, a really, it was actually a really close call. It was an, a scary thing. But I could not reach around the boat and put my hands down to push myself off this rock that I was on. You know what I mean? Like to just be able to put my hands down and push I could not reach because the boat was so wide around me. And that's kind of what led to my series of troubles from there on. And if I had been in a smaller boat, I really could have just gotten off that first pin, put both hands down, you know, just had my paddle across the cockpit, boom, and have been on my way. Um, So that got me back to wanting a smaller creek boat. But now hearing you guys, um, I mean, maybe that was an unusual circumstance, but I didn't like not having that um, because I'm 5'3", 
I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty small paddler. So yeah, I, I didn't small. like not being able to do that. So I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I'm five seven, but I have the world's shortest arm, so I feel like I'm in the same boat <laughs> as you. <laughs> okay. Okay. As Eric said, T-Rex, I can hardly feed myself and get my hands to my face. No. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of feel like I, I mean, I, you I know, that like you get, if you're going to be speaking, that you get in, in less trouble with a little bit bigger boat. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Like you're so just like, in and stuck up against something. There's less of your boat in the water, so you're. I mean. I mean, yes. if you're if you're pinned, if you're getting smashed in a hole, you're in that situation where being able to actually get yourself out is is pretty random. Yes. Like, I mean, maybe with a smaller boat you would have reached, but maybe you would have got pinned like differently, and it would have yeah. been worse. Like, there's no way you could know. And right. I think the the best thing is actually like before being in those situations, like you, there is a, um, a time frame where you can actually do things and you're in control. That's when you paddle, and sometimes, sometimes like you mess up and things happen. And I think in those situations, you can just rely on on a good safety team and the people you paddle with more than anything else. Yeah, so you're not gonna get a smaller boat because it's better when you get pinned. Right. It doesn't right. make sense. You should just right. get the boat that fits your paddling the best. So if you're tiny and actually you find a smaller boat is better for you, I'm totally fine with it. What's weird to me is the preconceived idea that, oh, you're a girl, you're paddling a small boat. Are you paddling the chica version of that boat with pink flowers on it? And then you realize that the boat is not really good for performance or doesn't quite fit what you want to run or your paddling style but you just got that boat because people said you're a girl you're getting that boat and sometimes you don't necessarily have the knowledge or people around you to be like oh actually no how about you try this boat instead yeah I agree with that Nuria completely they that it's you know you could have been pinned on your tail and been like oh I can't reach the tail does that make sense? Like the width right. of the boat, not necessarily the right. issue. It was the pin that was the issue. I mean, if your yeah. pin nose down, you're not going to be able to even reach your nose. So, uh, yeah. Just don't and get pinned. Right. Yeah. Just don't get pinned. <laughs> totally class two slalom move too, and I blew it. All right. Well, that leads me to this um, – uh, we have some viewer mail that we need to address. Um, I think the the guys talked about this a little bit, but I'd love to get your input on this um, because um, uh, we make dry suits for women and we make one version with the um, relief zip in the front. So you have to use a shiwi. Um, so this uh, Sam Belcher from um, Fayetteville wrote in and she said, um, what's your position on the shiwi? Um, that is the funnel that some ladies use to pee out of in the front of a dry suit. Do you ladies prefer the front zip or, and use the shiwi, or do you prefer the drop seat in the back? Um, so, uh, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, I just pull my zipper out. <laughs> Rebecca, and zip it yeah. yeah, I just <laughs> the end and it works. Try it sometime. I highly recommend trying it. What, just hanging out of the zip? Just pull that front zipper open <laughs> and pull it down yeah, as hard as you can, stand up and go. 
Rebecca, you are known for some skills. That, um, the ninja skills. I want everybody, everybody to know about here. <laughs> How about, what about Noria? What about Maria? Do you guys use the dry suit? And yeah, Noria, not, do you want to go first? I'm totally not a, a peeing ninja. So I need a shiwi. I hate the back zip. Not that I've ever tried it. I always had dry suit with the front zipper. But um, I've seen some of my friends friends kind of trying to get out of their boat really fast and um, the handle from the zipper or the zipper itself because it's really loose would just get stuck on the seat Ooh. and then they would really struggle to to get out like some places it's really not convenient and I was like oh if you actually swim and you're unlucky and you've got that like kind of t-handle getting stuck just on the strap of your boat and like and you can't really get out or you lose like three seconds just because of this. It's I find it really stupid. And then it's colder too. So I'd rather just have a shoe in my life jacket and and just pee with the front zip. And then I can also pee from anywhere. Like I don't really need to hide. I can just go next to the guys and pee at the same places <laughs> pretty much, which is quite convenient at times. Um and then in the shiwi, like, you have the hard ones and the soft ones. And the, honestly, the soft ones are a little bit tricky to use. Uh, if you ever get a soft one, I would recommend training in your, in your bathroom or in a <laughs> controlled setup before you pee all inside your dry suit. It happened to everyone <laughs> I know that had a soft one. So I, I have a hard one. It's just easier. And I've used both. And I um, prefer the rear zip. I just like I don't haven't got it caught before. I jump out of my boat and it's nice to have a break and I do the rear zip and zip it back up and it's all fine. And I think the only problem I've had really is trying not to sit down in poison ivy. Like I just really make sure that there is no poison ivy below me. <laughs> it's always a good but, uh, always a good move. Yeah, I prefer just the back zip. I mean, it's just my personal preference. Um, and it doesn't bother you on the seat and your backband? You, you have it positioned? No, no. It's, I mean, I, you know, it doesn't bother when I'm walking. I just feel like it's easy and I don't know. I haven't peed inside my dry suit, so I guess that's <laughs> maybe something that's going to happen at some stage, but it hasn't yet. <laughs> So well, back to the shiwi question really fast. If yeah. you use it, I mean, you can't just pee full force, can you? Like, Nuria, or do you have to, like, kind of, like, carefully well, go? Well, that's, that's the thing. Like, if you have the soft one, you kind of have to, like, control pressure. <laughs> but if you have the hard ones, you can just go however. And so because you're paddling, sometimes you just, like, wait until you really need to pee before stopping, you know, on some of the rivers. So I just want to have the hard one so I just don't... Don't take the risk to pee myself on the first day of a multi-day and then your dry suit is just gnarly for the next four days. Ah. How often do you lose your peewee? I mean, I, you're carrying your boat and oops, I can't find my peewee anywhere. And then what? If you lose it, I lost it uh, last year doing a shoot for Fisher. I was just being goofy and then I dropped it in the river. Uh and uh, then you just hope that your friends have some and they can lend it to you. Yeah, excuse me. They, have to, be, <laughs> they have to be really good friends. <laughs> but uh, 
I think I wow. have some of those really good friends that would actually lend me their shiwi so I don't have to get undressed and and 20 minutes later get back on and be cold and the whole crew is waiting for you and you lose time and things like this. So it's IR thinking possibly back zipper or no? We are actually. I think we're going to do both um, for 2019. Um, but, excited. you know, we, we put a lot of thought into the first design and talked to a lot of paddlers. And the consensus was um, the front zip was was more um, not not maybe not so much user friendly, but just uh, people preferred it in the end. But um, but I still think there's a lot of women that that would like the rear zip. And it, it seems to be a little bit more. Um, I mean, I've been fighting for both, you know, but now we have the sales to bring on another product. I think, I think it's probably a little bit more user friendly. And for, if you're, if, I mean, for kayaking, it's different, but let's say you're totally rafting. If I was going to go on a raft trip, I think I would like the back one because then you can pee from the back of the raft really easily. <laughs> just saying. Well, and if you have to go poop, I'm just saying you're not going to poop when you're shooey. Like, so. <laughs> Don't poop in the seaweed. Nope. I'm okay. like, oh my god, you're on a raft trip in Nuria. You cannot pull over and go to the bathroom. Right? Like, pay in the bank. I'm like, that's some wild rafting. Well, that's why I don't raft. It's too scary. <laughs> it is too. All I need oh, I'm terrified of it. Grand Canyon rafts sounds so scary to me. Like. All like gear like, flying around everywhere, boat like landing on top. Getting of you. hit. I'd yeah. way rather be in my kayak. Sorry, um, I love rafting. Love it all. <laughs> you love supping too. I do. Anyway. Love <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. If you can get over your pride, like, yeah, you're going to love it, Kara. <laughs> this has been really, really fun. And I feel like there's so many more things to talk to Noria and both of uh, Rebecca and, and Maria about that we need to do this again if you guys will do it. Um, we should probably start wrapping it up, though. Um, uh, I would say that more than the women's edition, ladies' takeover, it's been the international edition. Holy cow. Very cool. And thank you all. Um, and thanks for listening. But we have yet uh, Rants and Raves. I hope everybody's prepared one. Um, who wants to go first? I bet Rebecca does. I <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I'm just gonna rave about stuff. Uh, sup? I guess. Yeah. Well, no, not just sup. What What I've been thinking about a lot and like talking to people a lot recently. You know, we just got back from a little fun trip to Colorado, doing some sup races. Yes, I'm not gonna lie, Kara. Um, but I, I guess my main point: GoPro games. Awesome. Everybody should go. And I think why I'm bringing this up, um, participation is huge there. You know, it's not the elite, it's the elite mixed with full on, you know, beginners of stuff. And there's like, everyone does everything. Um, we're moms, perfect family events. My kids had free zip line. Um, they were uh, climbing on, you know, climbing walls all around. They have mountain bike races for kids, all free. Um, and the parents have fun too. You know, you can do a little down river, down class two, which is super fun. Um, races in town. You can do the Homestead Creek race. Nuria just kicked butt on that, won that. That's the last time I saw her was just a few weeks ago, crushing it there too. 
Um, so I highly recommend, I think next time we all meet up, and I think all the, the families listening that have parents that are into it, kids that are into it, and you want to get your kids into some non-organized sport, but like, you know, doing some competitions, it's the perfect place to start as a family. Go Pope Games. Two thumbs up. Yeah. All right. See you there next year. They're not even awesome. paying me to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsor. All right. Who's next? Somebody's got to have a rant. All righty. I have one. So um, I am really concerned. Of course I have one. I'm really concerned about what the children of the world are doing with their technology devices. So I am like, this is like my rant that everybody out there, all you selfish kayakers, and I must admit I used to be one too, that you need to go out and help the children of our world to get off their devices and into whitewater. No matter, I don't care how it is, I don't care how long you spend, but I have seen phenomenal results with the Nanahala Race Club and how many kids we've brought in and how it has totally changed their lives. I want you guys to think back and think how much kayaking changed your lives, how much it's meant to you, and go out and find some people to do it to their lives. And don't be selfish little, you know, poo-poo little kayakers anymore. <laughs> That's my rant. Awesome. Mandate. Everyone has to sacrifice yeah. and drive kids around in a van for two years and, and get them on the water. All right. Um, I'm going to go next because... This is my rave, and it's sort of totally off topic, so I'm going to ignore it. And um, John and my husband, John, and I just did this uh, crazy uh, gravel race, 75 miles, like 8,000 feet of climbing on gravel, steep up and down here um, in Morgantown, West Virginia. And it's called the Hilly Billy Roubaix, if you want to look it up. It's a blast. Um, but I want to give a shout-out to the race organizer, JR, and his wife, Gina, because um, – it's a thankless job being a race organizer. As we all know, we've all been a part of that, um, here and, um, and I've done a lot of races in my life and, uh, it, it's just awesome that people, another sacrifice that people do for us to have fun and, uh, yeah, be a race organizer. <laughs> Cause I, I'm about to do the upper yacht race in a couple weeks. So take it easy on me <laughs> as an organizer. <laughs> no, just kidding. no, no, it was an awesome event. Full on. All right, Noria, what you got? Oh, I don't know if I want to go on the hum. I think I'd like to give a shout out to Patrick Camlin because he was trying to do innovative things in the sport and it didn't work out really well with Rider of the Year and the Whitewater Grand Prix. And now it's it's kind of been taken over with the, the North Whitewater Awards, which take the same things and try to bring it back alive. And then um, the, the, the boys, we are sent with their Unleashed event on, on the... ...event that was based on the Grand Prix. And I think, I think it's really sad that it didn't work because it was great that year to mix like freestyle with, with white water with creaking and and had people kind of challenge themselves on hard things but also like combine skill sets because big wave freestyle is really different from from creaking and then a volume river boat across is really different from a, a steep creek time trial uh, and i hope that like more and more race organizers are gonna step in and uh 
and try to organize small race with, with new formats. We had Rafa Ortiz that, that did the Ray Del Rio a couple years ago, which was like super fun combination of, of style of waterfall and not just a time trial like it's usually done. Um, Brandon Wells just organized a new little race on, on the on the Green Trust in White Salmon and, and it's good to see people just like putting effort and and just making it happen, you know, like like what you said with the Alpayak race and and it's good. You have like big races like the GoPro games or the Cycline or the North Fork and then and then smaller races on on Quality River which which is really cool to go to and, and more of a community gathering so yeah shout out to everyone that puts work and that's pretty much like behind the scene to just make it all happen that's it awesome awesome great thanks for joining Noria thank you Maria and Rebecca this was awesome thanks for listening we'll do it again <laughs>